Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We want to welcome you to our brand new series called Yes and Amen, where Pastor Nick talks about how to access the promises that are available in Christ. We're excited to see God's promises be fulfilled this year, and we want to invite you to join us in-house on Sundays at 11 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel to keep up with Sunday's messages every week. We love you, and now let's go into today's message. So it's just good to see what the Lord does in our lives when we trust Him, and we press into what He has for us. Amen. So uh, I want you to open your Bibles. Let me read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 to you. It says, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ Jesus. Look at somebody and tell them, there are endless treasures. Say endless. Unsearchable riches. Available in Christ Jesus. There's so much available to us that it's endless. We will never get to the point where we have come to the end of all the good things God has for you. And so what you need to understand is when you stop searching, that's where you end. But there, there are, it's limitless what God has for you. And so the key for us this year is, if you want to step into all that God has for you, you have to search for it. You have to seek it, and you have to press into it. So it's based on your desire. Say, it's available, but it's conditional. That's what we spoke about last week. God's got promises available to you, but they're conditional. And one of the conditions is that you have to search for them. You have to seek them. You have to desire them. And if you don't know that it's available... It'll never come to you. If you don't know that you have money in the bank, you won't go spend it. It's like she money. The money she don't know about. <laughs> but then there's he money. The money he don't know about. <laughs> you don't know about it. Let me say this to you, too. One of the things that we have to realize is that this journey that we're on is about us being transformed into the image of Christ. Look at the person next to you and say, the journey you're on is transformation into the image of Christ. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So the journey that you're on in becoming a son and a daughter of God is about your nature changing. You went from a sinner to being righteous. You went from being outside of God's family, and being adopted into the family of God. And now that you're in God's family, it's about you discovering who you are as a child of a king and who you are as royalty in the house of God. That's the journey you're on. It's not about cars, houses, 
It's not about any of that stuff. It's about you becoming who God created you to be. Let me say it again. It's not about cars. It's not about houses. It's not about vacations, airplanes, mansion on the hill, church. This is about you becoming who God created you to be before the foundation of the world, into His image, His nature, and to reflect His glory in the earth. And so, how does that start? How does that happen? We'll get to Second Peter in a second. It starts when you accept Christ Jesus into your heart. There is an incorruptible seed that gets put on the inside of you. A seed that will never die, can never be destroyed, can never be corrupted. And so I want you to think of it this way. A pumpkin seed. Everybody say a pumpkin seed. I have a picture of a pumpkin. And that seed, that tiny little thing, produces this massive vine with these huge pumpkins. That pumpkin, that vine, and every future pumpkin was all in that seed. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Well, let's think about grapes. A whole vineyard with clusters of grapes come from that little seed. Lemon tree. These trees that can withstand wind and all kinds of stuff. That little seed produces a tree that produces fruit like that. How much more? Every seed producing after its kind. How much more will the seed of Christ that is deposited in you grow up in you to become the image of God? Say it's in the seed. It's already in the DNA of the seed. All you have to do is keep the seed in the ground. All you have to do is water the seed. All you have to do is provide the right conditions in the soil for the seed to grow. Touch the person next to you and say, you're made from the dust of the ground. You're a dirt bag. And seeds grow in dirt. Tell them this, say that words are seeds. Whatever you meditate on, whatever you hold on to, will take root, and it'll produce fruit. So if you don't like the fruit, you've got to check the seed and the roots. What are you planting in the ground? You know, it's very interesting. The Bible says that when the Word of God is preached, the Word of God is seed. Say seed. According to the story about the farmer sowing seed, the Word of God is seed. Right now, when I, when I tell you the Word, I'm scattering the seed of the Word of God. Do you know that your belief system is the most powerful system that you have? Your belief system can stop the power of God. If you do not believe it, you stop it from producing in your life. And Jesus wanted to do some mighty works in, in His hometown. But he couldn't do any mighty works in that town except cure a few headaches. Why? Because of their unbelief. And so when you do not believe what God says, 
what you resist can never produce in your life. And so family, all of God's promises are tied to Scripture in the Bible. And if you do not know what's available to you in the Word of God, those promises do not belong to you. They're available, but they're conditional. Can you say amen? I think about a story where Paul was on, on a mission trip, and he went to, I don't know where he went, but he went on a mission trip. And he came into the city, and he asked the believers in that city, have you heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And they said, no, we've only heard of the baptism of John. We've never heard of this baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the minute that they heard it was available, they believed, accepted Christ. Paul laid his hands on them, and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. So if you've never heard of it, then how do you, how do you know that it's available? That's why preaching is important. That is why us reading our Bible is important. Because if you don't know it's available, it's, it doesn't exist. And if you know it's available, but you're like the Holy Ghost, no, that's weird. Then what you do is you resist the greatest promise that God has made to us. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to send you the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. It is a gift to you. The Holy Spirit is God on the earth. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. The Father is in heaven. But God, the Holy Spirit, is here. And if you don't learn to work with the Holy Spirit, then you're not working with God. This is very simple. But there's a lot of people that have a resistance because they're afraid. And I want you to know you need to open up. The Bible says that we are temples of God. And God wants to come and live in this temple, not a temple made with hands. This is what He created, and He wants to live in you. When He comes and lives on the inside of you, when you receive the Holy Ghost as this gift, you get access to the kingdom of God. And we learn through uh, 2 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit is the down payment that guarantees all of God's promises. So if you don't have the down payment, you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have a guarantee of the promises being fulfilled. And so it's very important. Just like when you come up to the altar and accept Christ as Savior, that's important. That's one of the steps. Getting baptized into Christ is another important step. Because when you get baptized, you're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The old passes away. You are a brand new creature in Christ, Jesus. Brand new season ahead of you, pressing into what God has. No longer identifying with sin, now I identify with righteousness. Your spirit is renewed, but your mind needs to be transformed. And so we need to renew our minds to who we are as this new created being. And as we begin to understand the DNA in us, we can step into that. Can you say amen? But then there's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit comes to seal you. The Holy Spirit comes to lead you, guide you, teach you, show you the future. He comes, 
and He leads you from the inside. The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the nature of God unlocks in you. And then you can have worship on the inside of your temple in spirit and truth. You can encounter God. When we're closing our eyes here, we're not just closing our eyes. We're looking into the Spirit. We're looking to heaven. And man, I tell you, there's nothing greater than having encounters with God. And I shared this last week. What is an encounter with God? Just like you need a spacesuit to go to heaven, I mean to heaven, to the moon. Just like you need a scuba suit to go underwater, a cyber suit to see in a 3D world. You need a spirit suit. You need the Holy Spirit to come upon you to awaken you to the kingdom of heaven. That's where you change. God begins to show you things through His eyes. And now you start living by faith because you're anchored into another world. You're not anchored in this world. You're not worried about this world system. And this world system will always have problems. It has always had problems. It will always have problems. And if you're watching the news, then you're listening to the devil's agenda. But when you're reading your Bible, you're listening to God's agenda. And you need to cut off the spirit of the world. You've got to cut off access to your spirit about the plans of the devil. The devil is planning some crazy things. But so many Christians are so worried about what the devil is doing. That's their focus. They see the devil everywhere. But I want you to know the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. And God's plans are greater than the devil's plans. And the devil's plans cannot come into fruition until we leave this planet. We are the restraining force on the earth. And the devil is under our feet. And I don't care what the devil tries. He's defeated. And he'll stay defeated as long as we're on this planet. So don't worry about the mark of the beast and the 666 and the liar and the fire and Armageddon. Focus on your relationship with God, loving God, loving people, and doing what God has called us to do. And let the world do whatever they want to do. Can you say amen? Don't get into their fights and their battles. It's not what you've called to do. You're called to the fight of faith. You don't need a sign. You don't need to go pick it. Say, I'm victorious in Christ. So let's go to 2 Peter. Today I want to talk about how do we respond, what is our response to the promises of God? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Pause. The Bible says that when you get the Holy Ghost, you get everything you need. Look at somebody next to you. Say, when I got the Holy Ghost, I got everything I needed. Everything I needed for living a godly life. You got it. You're not trying to get it. Say, I got it. I got it. And we break out into song one more time. It says, we have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who, who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you 
to share in His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. What is the purpose of these precious promises? They enable you to share in His divine nature. That's why we have these promises, so that we can share in God's nature and escape the world's corruption. In view of all of this, let's make every effort to respond to God's promises. So he's telling us these promises are available to us, but we have to respond to them. God is expecting something from us. How do we access these promises? What is our lifestyle? What do we need to do so that we can inherit these promises? Amen? If the promises are available, show me how to get them. Don't just tell me i got endless treasures available to me in Christ Jesus. Don't tell me all of God's promises are yes and amen. Show me how to get them. Look at the person next to you say, the promises are available, but they're conditional to my obedience. Say, God blesses obedient children. Are you ready? Look at the person next to you, ask them, are you ready? Say, this is how we respond. Firstly, you've got to supplement your faith. So number one, you've got to have faith, and then you've got to add to it. You've got to add to your faith. What do I need to add to my faith? With a generous provision of moral excellence. Say moral excellence. Moral excellence means that your standards of behavior or beliefs. Say my standards of behavior. My beliefs concerning what is and what is not acceptable to God. Moral excellence is about my beliefs and my behavior. And it's based on what is acceptable and what is not acceptable to God. It's not the difference between right and wrong. It's about pleasing God and living according to the Word. We call that right and wrong. But it's living to please God. And so you need a generous provision. You need a dose, a big dose of a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. Say, my morals, my behavior has to be in line with the Word of God. So that means you need to look at the Bible and you need to see, like looking in a mirror, does my life reflect what I read? And if you find in the Bible that your life does not reflect what you read in the Word, you say, I am out of order. God help me get in order. You see, this Christian life is not about condemning people in sin that have a sinful lifestyle. What is sinful? It's rebellious according to what God says. That's all it means. When your life is not in line with the Word, it's in rebellion. It's contradicting what God says. And then you say to yourself, God, you know what? My life doesn't line up in this area. Help me change. How do I change? I read the Scriptures on what God requires and I pray and I say, God, I want my behavior to change. Help me as I am changing my lifestyle. There's a new way of living. 
There's a new lifestyle that I need to live. And God requires moral excellence from us. So you need to make the decision that I'm pressing forward to reflect a life that's pleasing to God according to the Word of God. Can you say amen? And different people have different things they need to work on. So just because your area might not be as severe as somebody else's area doesn't give you the right to judge them. But we need to stand with our brothers and sisters and love them as they're working through the change to be transformed into His image and glory. None of us are in His image and glory. We are being transformed. So we're all on the journey of transformation. Say, that's me. Work on me, Jesus. Then it says, add to your moral excellence knowledge. Knowledge of the Word of God and the promises of God. Discovering all that is available to us in Christ Jesus. Then it says, self-control. Ooh, shaka Zulu. Pause. Self-control is actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. You have in you all that you need for the life of godliness. Say, it's already in me. I'm not trying to be self-controlled. I'm not trying to be patient. God, give me patience. No, you got the Holy Ghost in you. You already got patience. You just have to surrender to it. You already have self-control. You just need to surrender to it. It's already in you. You don't cry out, God, give me patience. No, God gave you the Holy Ghost. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's in you. Stop living in the flesh. Die to it. Surrender to patience. That means it's not about where you're going. It's not about people doing what you want them to do, when you want them to do it, how you want them to do it. Do you know what love is? We'll get to love. We'll get there. Hold on. Shaka Zulu. Pastor, you're hurting me today. Say the cuss word, discipline. Look at somebody and tell them all your limitations are in the inside. That's where you're limited. It's not, it's not the administration. It's not the IRS. It's not the banks. It's not society. The limitations are in you. You've got to break through those limitations in you. Can you say amen? Say, I have everything I need for this life of godliness, including self-control. I already have it. You're not trying to get it. You've got it. Man, let that sink in this morning. I'm not trying to get it. I've already got it. You see, most of us are trying to get into a room we're already in. You're trying to get into something you're already in, but you don't realize you're in it. So you're fighting this weird battle to get into the room you're already in. You're trying to get patience, but you've already got it. Patience doesn't come from the outside. It's already on the inside. When you get the Holy Ghost, it's in you. That's what you've got to grab hold of. Can you say amen? So with your knowledge, self-control, with self-control, patient endurance. 
the second cuss word on our list of cuss words. Patient endurance, pastor? Patient endurance. When God makes you a promise, it takes time. Say seed, time, and harvest. God's promises are not instant because there's a transformation in your character, and that doesn't happen instantly. Try to discipline a child that isn't behaving right. Does it happen instantly? You can whip that child. Sometimes it doesn't work. You can talk to that child. You can bribe the child. But there has to be a transformation in the character for that behavior to change. And that takes time. So when you think about Sarah's life, Abram and Sarah, God gave them a promise that they would have a child which would be an heir to the greatest family on earth. They waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. Think about Noah. He got a promise that rain was going to fall from heaven, build a boat. He waited 100 years. So when we think about the promises of God, we read them and we expect them to happen immediately. But when they don't happen, we decide, I'm going to help God. I think my husband should sleep with my handmaiden, and then I'll birth this generation, and God, I'll help you out because you're taking way too long. So then we birth an Ishmael, and all the problems in the Arab world come from that one decision. Because Ishmael thinks the promised land belongs to him because he's the firstborn of Abraham. But Isaac says, no, the promised land is mine because I'm the firstborn of the promise. And so these two nations of Arabs are fighting for the promised land as brothers. And that's where all the conflict in the Middle East stems from. This woman trying to help God. And the problem is her husband agreed. He wasn't thinking correctly. I won't say it. You're already thinking it. Think about Joseph. He had a dream of ruling, but he had to go through a prophetic promise, which was a process. It was a prophetic process. He had a dream. And then he was tied to a prophetic process. He had to go through the pit. Then he had to go through prison before he entered into the palace. Imagine Joseph escaped prison or escaped the pit. He would have gone home and said, hey, Dad, I'm alive. And he would look at the brothers. I thought a wild animal killed him. And then when... The famine hit many years later, they would have all died. What a great family reunion which ends in death. Why? Because he didn't want to go through the process of being transformed to be prepared for the position God had for him. And so as you're going through this patient endurance, number one, you have to trust God because God's going to do it. You don't get in God's way. And dying is pretty hard stuff. 
because you're facing prison. You're facing a pit. It doesn't feel comfortable. But in that place of being tormented, you have to trust God. That He's going to work something in my character and He's going to bring me out of this thing. Let me tell you this. The faster you surrender, the quicker you break through the test. The more you fight it, the longer it takes. Can you say amen? Someone once asked God, hey, God, how long is a million years to you? He said, it's quick, like a second. And then the, the guy asked the Lord, he said, hey, Lord, how much is a million dollars to you? He said, it's like a penny. He said, Lord, can I have one of those pennies? And the Lord said, sure, just wait a second. Say patient endurance. So what do we add to patient endurance? We need to add godliness. Everybody say godliness. Being devoted to serving God. Separating yourself and your family to live a holy life that's pleasing to God. Can you say amen? You're not, the, you're not doing what the world does. You're doing what God does. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Along with patient endurance, godliness, with godliness, brotherly affection. That means we need to live in harmony and unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, truly caring for our spiritual family. You know, one day, um, Jesus' family showed up to one of his meetings. He was in the house, and they said to him, hey, Jesus, your mother's here, your brothers are here. You know what Jesus responded? He said, my mothers and my brothers are those who do the will of the Father. The people that are around you that are part of this family of God, this is your new family. Your old life died. Yeah, I got a brother from the bloodline, but I'm in a new bloodline and I got some new brothers and sisters. We all got the same father. Can you say amen? We're part of his family. We've got the same bloodline. And then finally, adding to brotherly affection, we have to have love for everyone. What is love? That means you're going to be patient. You're going to be kind. You're not going to be jealous when you see a brother get blessed or a sister get blessed. You're not going to boast about what God is doing in you. You'll testify, but you're not going to boast about it because you know that it was God who did it. You're not going to be proud or rude. You're not going to demand your own way. And you're not going to keep record of wrong. This is what real love is. This is God's kind of love. Say, keep no record of wrong. See, if you've got a list of all the wrong things people have done to you, you are in a prison of torment. Because every time you look at that person, you're reminded of what they did on the list and it, it bothers you. It does, they probably don't even care. So if you want to sleep well at night, you need to deal with the issues in your heart. And forgiveness is how you get out of the prison. They say that 80% 80, 80 of sicknesses in the body are tied to mental things. 
They're psychosomatic. It's not about what you're eating. It's about what's eating you. People are looking at their diet saying, oh, well, I've got to get my diet in order to be healthy. Yes, it's good to eat right. But at the end of the day, it's stress, it's worry, it's fear that's eating you that's causing sickness in your body. Because your body was not designed to live under the stress. If you, if you listen to Dr. Caroline Leaf, she talks a lot about the mind and how the mind affects the physical body. When you're thinking certain things, it's releasing toxins into your body, which causes sickness. Can you say amen? And so we're not going to keep record of wrong. We're going to rejoice in the truth. We're never going to give up. Say, I'm never giving up. Why? Because faith and love will always win. I'm not going to lose faith or hope, and I'm going to endure every circumstance. Verse 8, are you ready? It says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So God is expecting us to respond to His promises with a new lifestyle of pursuing those promises. And this is the pattern that He has laid out for us to access the things that He has for us. Say, this is my new lifestyle. And so it says here, Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. I'll say that again. People that are worried about falling away from God, people that are worried about backsliding, it says if you live this way, you will never fall away. That means when Christ returns, you will be ready for His return. Why? Because you've disciplined your life to obey the Word of God, and you're positioning yourself for the return of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm coming back. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. He's coming back. And family, if we will live this way, we will be ready for His return. It's one of His promises. I'm not saying that He's coming this year. But he could. He'll come as a thief in the night. When he returns, it'll be like the day of Lot. Feasting, drinking, partying, just going on with life as usual. Imagine the day that suddenly the first drop of rain fell from the sky in Noah's day. And then they say to themselves, oh my goodness, that crazy man that has been building that boat for a hundred years was right. And when the door closed, it was too late. You don't want to be those people that feel the first drop of rain and realize that you were wrong. Because now we're talking about eternity and it's too late. It says, so you have to work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Verse 11. Here's the fulfillment of the promise. 
then God will give you a grand entrance into His eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. Grand entrance. Can you say amen? And so, family, there, there is promises that are available to us. The promises are conditional because they're based on the laws of God. God isn't in heaven trying to figure out, well, he did it right and he did it right. No, it's already set. The choice you make, I've set before your life and death, blessing and cursing. When you make the decision to submit to the word of God, then you can resist the devil. When you submit to the word of God, then you're submitting to life. You're choosing life. You're being obedient to what God has said, and then you position yourself to step into the promise. But God is saying to us, we need to have moral excellence. We need to live moral lives. God is telling us that we need to be disciplined. We need to have knowledge of what His Word says. We need to be self-controlled. We need to wait patiently. We need to endure every circumstance. And while we're waiting patiently, enduring these circumstances, we'll be still and know that He's God, and we're going to wait for Him to act. Can you say amen? I'm not going to be Sarah. I'm not going to jump in and help God out because it could cause problems for my generational line. I'm going to love my spiritual family. I'm going to truly care for my new family. And we're going to live this way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Stand with me. I want to close in prayer, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to give. So this morning, we're ready to, to grab hold. Amen. We're ready to see God's promises fulfilled in our lives. God has given us clear instruction. I want you to read First Peter chapter 2. I mean, 2 Peter chapter 1. Read both of them, First Peter and 2 Peter, because it's all good stuff. Just read the Bible. <laughs> but specifically, read, these, read over this again this week. Don't let Sunday be the only day where you dive into the Word of God. What you need to understand is God has spoken to me about the direction that we're going this year. You, one of your problems, I'm going to give you this just last tip before we close today. Your greatest problem in achieving your goals this year or the promises this year is distraction. Focus is the key to achieving what God has said. And today we live in an age where you have access through the internet to millions of voices. And there's many people saying many things. But what you have to do is you have to narrow your focus. God called me here. What are you saying to me and my family through this house? Because God has got assignments for different people everywhere. And if you're listening to hundreds of people that have assignments from the Lord, you will be confused about what it is you need to do. I'm not saying I am the only voice that you need to listen to. But it's important that you understand that if you're part of what God is doing in this city, this is our assignment for here. Don't be distracted. And if you will tap into what God is saying to us, He has promises that He wants to fulfill in your life this year, then press into this with all your heart. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. Can you say amen? 
Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Say, Lord, I thank you that all your promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. They are available to me, God. And I want everything that you have for me this year. And so I ask you, Lord, to help me. So, Father, I lift up every single person this morning in this house, God. And Father, I thank you that you're going to instruct us, you're going to lead us, you're going to guide us. Holy Spirit, you are in every single person. You are the teacher. You are the comforter. You are the one who leads us, guides us, and shows us the things that you've prepared. Holy Spirit, you will only speak to your people the things that come from the Father. And Lord, I ask that you would give individual direction now concerning what every person needs to do to break through into the personal promises that you have for them in this season, Lord God. And Father, this year I thank you that we will see the distractions, and Lord, that we will deal with them. And Father, I thank you for the fruits of the Spirit on the inside of us. Lord, let us learn, help us to learn to yield to everything that you've given us for this life of godliness in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you today as I've been speaking that you have been turning the lights on in different areas in the hearts of your people. Lord, I ask that clear understanding, clear focus would come to us where we simplify what we need to do to achieve your promises, Lord God. That we're not wasting time, energy, and resources doing things that are fruitless. But Father, we will do as your word instructs. Say that I will do as your word instructs. And I will break through into your promises in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Look at the person next to you. Say, you've got it. you got everything that you need. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Say, my family is in unity. My household is in order. I am blessed of the Lord. Greater is He who is in me. There's nothing in the world that can overcome me. I'm about the plans and the purposes of God. And I don't care what the devil is doing. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Say, I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. I have all authority and power. Say, the devil and distractions are under my feet. I'm not fighting for victory. I am already victorious in Christ. I have already won. The promises are yes and amen, and I grab them because they belong to me. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me.